Welcome back to uh, the second hour of Amplify. I'm Father Ron Langwood. Our guest is Mike Aquilina. Uh, we've been talking about the resurrection um, from a very personal perspective, a little bit of imagination, much like the Pope has, and we're going to talk about that. Um, as we ended the first hour, we were talking about um, the fact that uh, the person that is fascinating me uh, this year, or at least drawing attention, my attention, is the soldier who crucified uh, Jesus and what conversation, if any, may have gone on between the two of them and how that man's life, that soldier's life would have changed. And Mike said, uh, yes, talked about the military and and uh, how indeed uh, there have been great miracles. There have been many saints through the years who were uh, soldiers and, uh, and um, were injured or whatever happened, and they changed their whole lives. And uh, I think that maybe this soldier who crucified Jesus, nailed him to the cross, is such a person. Uh, and my, my wonderment was, was he one of the soldiers who came back, <laughs> who was there to watch over the tomb so that they could not say that someone stole Jesus? Or yeah. whatever his motivation was, that whatever Jesus said to him, and again, it's imagination, and it, it happens from my own life where someone's told me something that's changed my life for the, for the moment or for a period of time, um, maybe forever, really. I can point to a couple of those. Um, but that's the way I'm looking at it, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, as, I, as, as I said earlier, it, it seems to me that, um, that the, uh, the, the, the Roman military ended up being a great force for the gospel, which was a surprising thing. Of course, they had to enforce persecutions at various times, and there were purges of Christians from the military every now and then. But the, 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 the Roman emperors did find eventually that they were dependent on Christian soldiers, because the Christian soldiers tended to be more courageous in battle. And they were virtuous. They were the kind of the kind of soldiers you wanted to have in your troops. They they set a good example for the others. Uh, so so you had this this strange um, strange situation, the strange circumstance where there were laws on the books against Christianity, but frequently they were not enforced because Christians were needed in the military. Uh, so 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 yeah, I think I think that um, that Christians in the military had um had a very early presence in the history of the church and a very effective presence because as i said if you if you look at the inventory of all those christians who are buried in the the christian catacombs in rome you'll find that uh that there's there's an amazing number of military members and they represent every single rank and every single branch of the military going up to the highest levels including the praetorian guard of the Roman, the, the Roman emperors themselves. Brings me back to uh, Lucifer, who we've already talked about, but um, Lucifer and the virus. Mm. Would it be appropriate for us to say, um, people will say, well, you're crazy, you're blaming Lucifer, the devil did it, uh, but that all evil somehow has been generated by... Lucifer, just as we can point to the fact that all goodness, all love comes from God. So uh, would it be wrong to say, to think that 
somehow this virus has something to do with Lucifer. Some some religious folks have already uh, uh, thought that that is the case. I wonder if you've given any thought to that at all. It's not like he does everything, mm-hmm. but it just it says something to us about the power of sin, and maybe that's maybe that's where we need to go about the power of sin and what it generates, and it generates what what it is that Lucifer, what it is that evil wants. Again, this great spiritual power. No, I, I, I don't think that's off base at all. Um, if, we, uh, if, we, if we look at the scriptures, the scriptures tell us that the elements of creation are in the hands of angels. Uh, that's a, one of the clear messages of the book of Revelation, that angels themselves hold back the winds, and they move history forward. Um, and I, this has always been the case. Even Plato and Aristotle found a place for angels in their, in their cosmology, and it's not even you know, something that's just common among pre-scientific peoples. Uh, we, we found it in uh, Mortimer Adler. You and I have spoken about this on the air. Uh, philosophers in the modern era, like Mortimer Adler, like Isaiah Berlin, uh, said that, that the, the cosmos, as we know it, is, is, uh, it, it really doesn't make sense apart from the existence of angels. Now, when angels fall... They have their, their, their skill that God made them for. They have, they have their gifts, just as we keep our gifts if we fall morally. <clears throat> so they can, they can continue doing remarkable things, but they do them for our corruption. They want to corrupt us. They want to cause death. Um, the, the message of the resurrection is that they can't really harm us. You know, uh, they, they, they can try, they can try to bring us down, but we're stronger than death. We have the love of God that's stronger than death. St. Paul said in, in uh, the, his letter to the Romans that all things work together for the good of those who love God. So the angels can try to work, work their worst. They can try to isolate us socially from one another. But, but God will be working in that moment. And we see how God is working today, you know, creating new networks that we could not imagine, uh, using the Internet for all of the, the good things that could come from it, rather than all of the divisive things. You know, people have found new ways to communicate the gospel online. Some of the websites, the Catholic websites I, I write for, have had 1,000 times their normal traffic. Think about that. Yes. 1,000 times their normal traffic. So people are not all wasting their time at home playing solitaire. A lot of people are going out there on a religious quest, and I suspect that they're finding what they're looking for. Um, yes. Um, my mind is going so many different ways. <laughs> let's let's, um, let's um, get back to the women yes. that we wanted to talk about and, and the homily uh, that— um, Pope Francis gave that uh, relates directly to what is happening throughout uh, the universe. When he he speaks about them, he says, they did not stop loving. Mm-hmm. In the darkness of their hearts, they lit a flame and speaks about the same thing about the Blessed Mother, that yeah. she dedicated herself to prayer and hope. Yes. It is a really beautiful section, and as I said, this is the section that reminded me of you. Uh, but, but it, you know, he says that in this situation, the women did not allow themselves to be paralyzed. They did not give in to the gloom of sorrow and regret. They did not morosely close in on themselves or flee from reality. They were doing something simple, 
yet extraordinary, preparing at home the spices to anoint the body of Jesus. They did not stop loving. And that's that then you picked up there. Um, and, and it really does focus on the importance of going ahead with life and doing ordinary things. We are prevented from doing everything we'd want to do, but we can still do something. We can create a normal life, normal within these circumstances, uh, circumstances that involves love for others, care for others, presence for others, calls to others, reaching out to others. We can do all of these things, even giving, given the constraints that we have right now. And that's what our Lord wants from the situation. I really do think that he wants us to, to bring about a revolution of love in the circumstances that we, that, where we find ourselves right now. Right, because we can look at the crucifixion and what it set off, what it, what it meant, how it changed life significantly. So many people, and people keep talking now about uh, the virus and how life is not going to be the same yep. at all. And so this event uh, is going to be determined by us as to what it's going to be, right? I mean, whether good can come from it or not with the yep. help of God. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it, it has been frustrating in a lot of ways. We can't do the things we want to do. We can't lay hands on the things we want, even simple things like toilet paper and ground beef. You know, these have become precious commodities for us right now. But, but you know, in a lot of ways, it has been, for, at least for me and for my family, it's been kind of like a retreat. Yes. You know, we, we, we've set up a schedule that we, we live by during these times, uh, and, uh, and we, we, we keep to our schedule. But so much of the rest of the time we're able to read and we're able to study and we're able to have conversations that we would not have time for, before, you know, before this. Uh, and we won't have time for, the, I suspect, you know, after this is, this is done, because we have each other right now. So we can, we can reach out, we can have these conversations, uh, because we have the time for them. It really has, in a lot of ways, been like a retreat, um, if we allow it to be. And uh, Easter doesn't end in, uh, in one hour and 48 minutes, does it? Okay, I mean, right. it's, it's going to continue on in many ways. Yes. Uh, and... Um, lead us toward Pentecost. Tell us about this season that follows and brings yeah. us to Pentecost. Yeah, well, Easter is, of course, it's one of those those days in the year that last eight days. It's an octave, and we treat the eight days of Easter as if they're just one day, because one day, 24 hours, could not possibly contain the glory that is Easter. So we'll celebrate Easter every day as if it's Easter Day uh, from, from today through next Sunday. It will be the octave of Easter. But even beyond that, we will continue celebrating throughout the Easter season, which takes us to uh, Ascension and then Pentecost. And, and the, the point of that is that, that Passover in, in the Old Covenant found its fulfillment in Pentecost. At Passover, you know, we have really the, um, the, the, the liberation of, of, uh, of the Israelites. They were set free from, from slavery. They went into the desert where they received the law on Pentecost. So both of these, Passover and Pentecost, were Jewish holidays at the time of our Lord. So we have our own Passover, which is Easter, and it finds its fulfillment 
in the giving of the new law, the giving of the Holy Spirit um, 50 days uh, after Easter. Um, and we can read that, that wonderful story uh, in, the, um, in, in, in the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, the Feast of Pentecost is my favorite feast of the year because it's the birthday of the Church. It's when we receive the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, it's one of the great scenes in all of Scripture. Uh, but again, it was a Jewish feast. It is a Jewish feast. And it was one of the three feasts every year where Jewish males were required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. And of course, our Jewish brothers and sisters have been celebrating Passover right at this time. Yes, yes, and uh, and 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 of course, that's 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 by design. You know, we we call our in, in almost every language on earth, today's feast is called Passover. It, the same word will apply to Easter and Passover. Um, English is really an outlier in this. There are just a couple of languages that have different names for the Christian and the Jewish holiday. So this is our Passover. That's why the, the, date, the, date, the dates are always so close together, because we uh, mark our Passover on a day that's, that's close to the, the Passover of the Jews. So, um, so yes, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's deliberately the case. One of the things that would have happened today would have, would have been the renewal of our baptismal promises, mm-hmm. and uh, some people did that. I did it. If you're yes. if we're watching, we did uh, it too. We're a part of it. Why is that important? Why do we have to renew baptismal promises? Yeah. Well, in the early church, uh, Easter was the season of baptism. Uh, you, you might have had a conversion experience early in the year, you know, or or even even halfway through last year, or even a couple of years ago. But the time when the church received new members was usually Easter. That's when when uh, when when bap- baptizing was done, and then the great night for that was Easter Vigil, the night before the night before Easter. Uh, the the liturgy lasted all night long. It usually started around midnight, and it would end with the first light in the morning. That's why there are so many readings at the Easter Vigil, because it had to, had to take all of these people through the night, along with the, the baptisms and, and confirmations that went on. So this is the season of baptism, and it's the time when all of us remember our baptism. That's why there's the blessing of the water. So there are resonances there that we have um, when the water is being blessed and in the readings of the liturgy that bring us back to to the creation of the waters at the beginning of the the the, the Bible, um, when our story begins and God God hovers above the waters. Well, that's what He does when we're baptized. The Holy Spirit hovers above the waters, just as uh, as He did at um at in the at the Jordan River when our Lord was baptized. This is the season of baptism when we're we're um, welcoming new members to the church, and we're also remembering our own baptism and celebrating it by renewing those those promises that we made, or that were made on behalf of us by our parents and godparents. And is it, is it not, w- once again, our giving of our life to Him? Um, those moments are so critical. It can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. But there are moments in which it is, uh, it is very personal and very significant for uh, us. It might, be, it might be a wedding. It might be a birthday. It might be the renewal of my priestly promises. There's so many different moments, but if we're going to maintain a deep personal relationship with someone, then there's going to be renewal of our love, isn't there? 
Yes, and we don't know when those moments will come. And it's the same thing in any friendship, in any marriage, in any human relationship, that you don't know when the great and memorable moment is coming. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, you, can pl- you can try to plan for these things, and you can imagine great moments happening when you're traveling to exotic places or going on an adventure somewhere, but sometimes it just happens in the quiet. In very ordinary circumstances, in the home, walking around the block, something like that, where you have this moment of unity, this moment of, um, of a breakthrough in your friendship, in your relationship. And we don't know when that will come in, the time, in our time with the Lord either. Uh, you know, there's the, the great mathematician, Blaise Pascal, had what he called the night of fire. He didn't expect it, but suddenly he was just... He was just set upon by the Lord, and he had this night where he he made a commitment to the Lord in an intense, in this furious way, and he recorded it um, by writing it out on paper, uh, and then sewing up the paper in a cloth and wearing it for the rest of his days. And it was only found, his account of the night of fire, after he died because then they, they, they took that, that cloth off him and they saw what was in there. Uh, well, you know, maybe a night of fire is waiting for us in the coming days, in very ordinary times, what seems like an ordinary day, an ordinary Tuesday, and it will come upon us, and our Lord will give us the gift. It, do, it, it doesn't hurt us to ask for the gift of his friendship, the gift of his love, the gift of, of some sign of his presence and of his union with us. I would think that the most important moments in my life, and I'm trying to look back uh, quickly, uh, are when I didn't expect anything to happen hmm. on that day. Yeah. It was going to be an ordinary day. I'm not talking about those stages we go through, like birthdays and weddings and all th- all those kinds of things. Right. But just the, the regular days of of living that I didn't really expect anything to happen. And I... And I think maybe that's the way God wants it to be because that's the way it gets our attention because it's yeah. almost like a surprise. It's like we're not expecting it at all. And so it's like we're open to whatever's going to happen. I and think of some of my closest friends and some of them, it's almost as if they parachuted in out of the sky. You know, I, yes. I, you know, I have, I have friends. I, I, I think of one, one guy in particular because I just got a text message from him. We've been friends for about thirty years now, uh, but I, I met him uh, when I was working at the Pittsburgh Catholic, and I met him because he wrote a letter to the editor. Okay, <laughs> let's let's. Oh, is that the end of it? Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I just want to say that. All right. That, no, no, what I'm saying is I need to take a break now. Oh, so okay, go. So if that is the uh, the that end of the, the end, st- of it. end of the story, it, it was perfect timing. You really really worked that out well. <laughs> we'll be right back. Take care. Welcome back to uh, the final segment of Amplify. Sometimes it goes so fast. Uh, our guest is Mike Aquilina. We're talking about Easter, about the resurrection. We've been talking about how Easter is not just the celebration that's something that has happened in the past. It's it's still happening every day of our life. And that has something to do with the fact that there is there is goodness within each and every one of us awaiting uh, to be used. And the Pope talks about that in his Easter Easter message. <clears throat> I don't know why my voice is going like here, but uh but um you and I 
certainly on occasions we've we've joined our hearts and minds yeah. in these discussions, and that should be a teaching to us that we can do the same thing with Jesus, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, so many of the things that he brought to us by, by taking flesh, um, you know, he did all of this just to show us that these human realities are, are, are wonderful in themselves, so wonderful that he wanted to share them himself. But he also wanted to show us that they're signs. They're signs of something even more wonderful. It is a great thing that we can have friendships with one another. That's a remarkable thing. It is an even greater thing that we can have a friendship with God, and that God made the extraordinary journey to humanity, to taking on human flesh, becoming a real person in history, in order to meet us there. You know, he knew that we could not get up to the heavens by our own power. You know, no matter how many rockets we have, we're not going to get beyond the material to the spiritual. Um, so he came down and took 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 on our form, our state, and met us here. And he did that so that we'd be able to have that friendship. We'd be able to have that friendship in a way that was familiar to us, in a way that was comfortable for us. That's how much he loves us. He wanted to accommodate, accommodate us to himself in that way. And so, so he said, uh, you know, he would, take on, he would take on our flesh so that we could become spiritual like him. Uh, there's the, 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 that's a truth that's played out in the scriptures so many times. It's called, called the marvelous exchange, that he gave us his divinity, and he took from us our humanity. It's, it's a wonderful idea, and it's, uh, it's played out all through the scriptures. My favorite uh, version of it is in St. Peter's second letter, where he says that we've become partakers of the divine nature. Wow. You know, we have come to share God's nature. In all our lives on earth, we will never be able to fathom what that means. But it begins by, with this friendship with God, by opening our hearts to God, and by welcoming Him into, into this relationship. And they're the things we should be imagining, right? Not just the scene of Christmas and Easter as we were doing, but what you just said. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Because so much of the Scripture is, is an account of friendship. When we, we see the, uh, the conversations that our Lord had with the woman at the well, with the woman taken in adultery, with his, his disciples, you know, that great scene with the apostles when they're fishing, and they come ashore, and he's got the, 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 uh, the, 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 the fire going. He's making them yes. breakfast. It's a wonderful scene of friendship. And, and these are very ordinary things, very ordinary scenes, but they become extraordinary when you realize that God is there. God is doing these things. God is, is, is there in the midst of these ordinary circumstances in our lives. It's, 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 a, great, it's a great thing that, that we have. It's a great thing we've been given through the Incarnation, which, which culminated in this resurrection. The Pope's um, words today a little different than they were uh, for Saturday night. Um, he speaks about uh, a different contagion in his words today. Say, He says, millions of people watched and listened on various media platforms as um, he repeated the Easter proclamation, Christ, my hope is risen. And he called this message a different contagion, one that is transmitted from heart 
to heart. Christ's resurrection is not a magic formula that makes problems vanish. It is the victory of love over the root of evil. And this victory does not bypass suffering and death, but promises through them, opening a path in the abyss, transforming evil into good. Sometimes he says it so much better than we do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and he says it with the authority of Peter, which is a beautiful thing, that we still have this authority in the Church. This is the rock that, that our Lord himself built the Church on. We should comfort those who are affected by coronavirus. He says this disease has not only deprived us of human closeness, but also the possibility of receiving in person the consolation that flows from the sacraments. But the Lord has not left us alone. United in our prayer, we are convinced that he has laid his hand upon us. And so as we pray, we're often united with with people we don't even realize we're praying with, aren't we? Yes, yes, yes. And, and really, um, so much good has come out of this. Uh, you know, from the beginning, the 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 clergy, the hierarchy have have um, have encouraged us to think of this as uh, not as something that we're being deprived of, really, but something that we're we're, we're uh, consenting to a Eucharistic fast. And they 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 explained this this custom, this spiritual custom, going back all the way to to Saint Augustine. This is a remarkable thing. And another thing that's been renewed in this time is, is the idea of spiritual communion. It's like everyone has learned this great practice, this great spiritual practice that had been eclipsed in recent years because we'd become accustomed to frequent communion. Well, that has not always been something in the Church. So this idea of spiritual communion has come back. This I- Another idea that's come back, because we can't get to confession, is the idea of perfect contrition, and how we can join our hearts to our Lord and be reconciled to Him in this way. So, so many great things are coming out of this moment right now, because people are being schooled in spiritual practices they would know nothing about in ordinary times. But the Church is taking this opportunity to make it a retreat, to make it a catechesis, to lead us in, in the accustomed ways of the spiritual life that we've grown unaccustomed to, unfortunately. So this is, this is a remarkable moment. All things work together for the good of those who love God. The devil can try to work his worst. It doesn't matter. The greater angels are on our side, and God is working through his church in this moment. Yes, it does work for those who believe in God, and um, I'm hoping that there will be uh, a greater ecumenical effort yeah. that takes place that uh, I'm not going to ask if you're Catholic or Baptist or whatever you may you may be, but uh, we're going to work together knowing that um, our foundation is Christ mm-hmm. and the other things we differ on, and I don't mean to say they're not important, but let's deal with them more openly mm-hmm. and see where we go. The Pope talks about gratitude to those providing essential services. Certainly we've seen some of that happening. Encouragement to work for the common good, and so he encouraged political leaders to work actively for the common good, providing the means to enable everyone to lead a dignified life, and when circumstances allow, to assist them in resuming their normal daily activities. 
uh, how important that's going to be. It's not a time of indifference. It's not a time of self, self-centeredness. Um, it's not a time for forgetfulness, but he, he teaches us, points us to the fact that Christ dispels the darkness of suffering. And so he sort of summarizes indifference, self-centeredness, division, and forgetfulness are not words we want to hear at this time. <laughs> These words seem to prevail when fear and death overwhelm us, and we want to abandon them forever. You know, way back at the beginning of Pope Francis's pontificate, he often talked about the ecumenism of blood, that in times of persecution, in times of martyrdom, suddenly our differences fall away. They become irrelevant because we're, we're bonding together um, to, to face, to be stronger in the, the face of uh, a serious threat that this was something that happened in the countries that were dominated by Nazism and by communism, that Christians came together in spite of their, their differences in doctrine and practice. Um, this is a mercy that God is doing this not in a time of persecution, but in a time of mutual need. It's a different kind of need that we have right now. It's good that we can do this in peacetime. Uh, I, think, I think, again, it's a mercy that God is not allowing a persecution to come upon us to, to draw us together. You know, he wants what's good for us, and he knows that what's good for us is, is unity. And he's, he's permitting this to happen so that we'll draw closer together. Pope writes in his homily for his Easter Vigil homily, how many people in these sad days have done and are still doing what those women did, referring back to the gospel, mm-hmm. sowing seeds of hope with small gestures of care, affection, and prayer. And so sowing seeds of hope refers, I think, to the masks that many people decided to make. And there was an interview yeah. on, I don't know if it was 60 Minutes or whatever, there was a, a woman who was a nurse in a critical ICU care unit and talked about, we don't ask who made these masks. You know, these are only for these people or those people. But that, as you just explained, there is a common denominator here that brings us together. And so um, there's there's some indications that we've been turning away from God and what we need to do is turn now more and more toward God. Yes, yes. My one of my daughters is a seamstress. This is her hobby, and uh, and I can hear the sewing machine going late into the night. And then the next day, she washes these masks and and then goes and delivers them at various places. So she's been making quite a few of them. And I know that she is one of very very many people who are doing this right now. It's a remarkable thing that's happening, and it's a groundswell. Nobody is forcing these people to do it. Nobody's drafting them to do it. They're doing it voluntarily. They're doing it out of love. We began with hope, and we have just another eight minutes to uh, nine minutes or so uh, to talk about uh, that concept. Uh, The Pope writes, um, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not yield to fear. This is the message of hope. We acquire a fundamental right that can never be taken away from us. The right to hope. Hmm. It is a new and living hope that comes from God. Yes. 
and that you can see that that happened with the resurrection of our Lord. It, cl- classical civilization, classical culture, uh, w- was a remarkable thing, but it was a thing devoid of hope. Uh, what we find that's interesting in the first century BC is that uh, the Romans were more affluent than anyone had ever been. They had they had enabled free commerce on earth. They had conquered the earth. They had tax dollars coming in from all over the globe. And, and, and they were living off this. They had affluence like no one had ever had. And they were, they were spreading it among the people there in Rome. They had everything except hope. They, they refused to have children. And, these, and the emperor, Caesar Augustus, he, um, he recognized this. He, this before the, 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 the advent of our Lord, Augustus recognized that the Romans were going to have trouble because they were not having children. They had all the good things in the world, and they had no desire to pass them on to another generation. They had no hope. They really did not see any point in taking these good things they had and giving them to someone else in love. They just did not see the point. Christianity changed everything. It took this culture that was withering, that was dying, and it breathed life into it. It didn't crush it. It didn't destroy it. It gave new life to it, and it purified it of all the evils that were in it. And the people in these lands of the empire were able to hope for the first time. It is, as, as, uh, as the Pope says, it, it's a right that was given to them for the first time in history. Yeah, he, he says that Jesus' hope is different. Yes. He plants in our hearts the conviction that God is able to make everything work unto good, even because even from the grave, he brings life. Yes, yes. And that's the great message of this day. Even from the grave, he brings life. That, that the end is not the end, as, as the song puts it. The end is not the end. And, uh, and, and we, we're going to go on from here. We're going to go on, and we'll go on forever. So let us not give in to resignation. Let us not place a stone before hope. We can and must hope because God is faithful. He did not abandon us. He visited us and entered into our situations of pain, anguish, and death. His light dispelled the darkness of the tomb. Today, he wants that light to penetrate even to the farthest corners of our lives. Mm-hmm. Those farthest corners are the things that I'm thinking about, and these are the ordinary circumstances. You know, we, we can imagine ourselves being heroes uh, in extraordinary uh, situations, but all we have is a situation where we find ourselves. Wherever we go, there we are. And that's where we have to bring the gospel. That's where we have to bring our witness. We have to light up those, those far corners, those hidden corners of, of the world, of history, of our lives, um, and, and, and really try to be extraordinary in the ordinary things. And then he speaks about courage, saying that this is a word that is often spoken by Jesus in the in the Gospels, true, you cannot give it to yourself, but you can receive it as a gift. Yes. All you have to do is open your heart in prayer and roll away, however slightly, that stone placed at the entrance to your heart so that Jesus might, Jesus's light can enter. 
You only need to ask him, Jesus, come to me amid my fears and tell me too, courage. With you, Lord, we will be tested, but not shaken. And whatever sadness may dwell in us, we will be strengthened in hope, since you with the cross leads to the resurrection, because you are with us in the darkness of our nights. You are certainly amid our uncertainties, the word that speaks in silence, and nothing, nothing can ever rob us of the love you have for us. Our Lord said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. And, and I think that often we're afraid to ask for these great things because we have this idea of who we are. And we have this idea of our limitations. But God's the one who made us. And God is the one who's given us the limitations that we've known up till now. He might be waiting for the moment to just stretch us a little bit or maybe a lot. We should ask for things like courage. We should ask for things like hope. We should ask for things like charity as we go forward. And, and, and we, we should ask for everything that we're going to need to face not only this crisis, but all the crises that will come, because there are going to be other crises that follow. You know, those of us who've lived a number of years on Earth have already seen the world almost come to an end a few times. We've been through a few of these. This isn't our first clam bake. We know that we need grace to get through them. We know that we need virtue to get through them. We've got to correspond to grace. We've got to ask. We've got to ask. We've got to ask. And um, towards the end of his comments, of his homily, the Pope says, Jesus wants us to bring hope to our everyday life. So those of you who are listening know that there is hope tomorrow, and Jesus wants to give it to you. It's, you're going to discover it when you reflect more and more on all the love that surrounds you, the people have brought into your life, and the things he's done for you so far. Michael, thank you so very much for being with us. It's been uh, wonderful once again. Let's, let's do this again sometime soon. Absolutely, Father Ron. Thanks for having me back, as always. All right, and again, happy and blessed Easter. To you, too. All right. Good night. Good night. Um, hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed that as much as, uh, as I did. Um, you know, what moments in your life, uh, have changed you, uh, forever? The same divine power that brought Jesus back to life is the same power that is working within you and me at this, at this very moment. We live in a world that needs and uh, wants to hear and especially to experience the Easter message. That's what we've been talking about over the last couple of hours. And we should be talking about it in the days ahead, however long this continues and even beyond. So the power of Easter, the power of the resurrection, the power of God enables us to give new life to others. And that power will be renewed within us in many different ways. We can never be the same again. We can never be the same again when we have been touched by the power of God's love and filled with his love at that moment. 
Don't forget then how precious life is and how powerful love is. Tell someone now that you love him or her. Pray for peace as if it depended on you alone. And come back next Sunday and amplify with us.